Welcome to episode 85 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Below. It's a pleasure to share this time with you today. Whether this is your first time listening or you've been listening for a while, I hope you hear something today that will make you smile, maybe spark an insight, improve your business, or even perhaps change your life. It doesn't matter whether you're a company of 1,000 or a company of one. Culture matters. It's an energy that sends a message about who you are and what you stand for. My guest today is an expert in defining company culture and taking a strengths-based approach to growth. Mike Goldman is a nationally recognized speaker, consultant, and author of the book Breakthrough Performance, The Four Secrets of Passionate Organizations. He has over 25 years of consulting and coaching companies, from the local entrepreneur to the Fortune 500. Throughout his career at Accenture and Deloitte Consulting, he helped companies such as Verizon, Disney, Polo Ralph Lauren, Chanel, Kmart, Dillard's, Liz Claiborne, and Levi Strauss. In 2007, Mike founded Performance Breakthrough to help mid-sized companies achieve dramatic business growth. He does this by working with leadership teams to ensure that they have the right people, strategies, and execution habits for growth. Hi, Mike. Welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. It's a pleasure to be talking with you today. Same here, Beth. Thank you very much. Well, what is making you smile today? Uh, other than being on your show, I guess. Uh, what, actually, what's making me smile today is a few hours after this, uh, my wife and I are heading to the airport, flying from New Jersey to uh, Portland, Oregon, to go visit a college friend, and, mm. and I'm going to get some training and some new techniques I could use with my clients. So awesome. excited about the next few days. Yeah, well, we've cooled off the weather for you been very warm over here in the Pacific Northwest. And oh, yeah, um, okay. yeah, and it's fabulous that you're flying into Portland. I don't know, you, you might be aware the World Domination Summit is happening right now. Should I be worried? You about should be a little worried. Stuff? Yeah, <laughs> you should be a little worried. <laughs> All of those people who want to change the world are taking over Portland. So don't be surprised if you see a gaggle of people, you know, walking around that look like they're uh, rebels. <laughs> so you know, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll bring a bunch of copies of my book. Maybe they'll want to buy yeah, Exactly. I think actually, it's your audience. So <laughs> I love to start out by checking in with my guests about where they fall on the introvert-extrovert spectrum and how the awareness of where they fall on the spectrum has influenced them in their journey and especially in entrepreneurship. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm actually one of those ambivert folks ah. that, that really falls right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the way it's influenced me is kind of, you know, maybe, maybe I'm kind of weird as it relates to most people, is when it comes to being in front of a crowd and, and doing public speaking or facilitating a meeting, that energizes me like you wouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. So that, I guess, would make me seem like an incredible extrovert. But when it comes to meeting someone new one-on-one, mm-hmm. uh, th- that, that I'm not as comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So I'm much more comfortable with a group. So, so I've got definitely got some, some introvert tendencies, some extrovert tendencies. And the way that's influenced me is, you know, as a coach and as a consultant, I used to do a decent amount of one-on-one coaching and then also coaching with groups and coaching with leadership teams. Um, I really do not get a lot of energy from the one-on-one discussions, Mm -hmm. but I'm incredibly energized by facilitating a team. 
So I have really shifted my business over the last five years or so to really focus on working with leadership teams, Mm -hmm. doing a lot of public speaking, and I'll still do one-on-one as I need to from folks on the leadership team, but it's not a major part of what I do anymore. It's interesting because introverts tend to be a little bit more comfortable with the one-on-one because they're, you know, kind of in control or it's, you know, it's less overwhelming. There's less stimulation. There's less competition, I suppose, for the floor. But when it comes to a business, you know, and being an entrepreneur, I think often they find that that is really draining. And so as you say, you know, like being up in front of the group or being in that one-to-many situation can be much more energizing and much more efficient in terms of being able to reach people with the message that we have. Absolutely. And, and I, just, I just find it for me, it's, it, it's where I'm most comfortable. It's where I'm energized. And, mm-hmm. and therefore, I, at least in my head, I believe it's where I add the most value. Yeah, nice. It's always, yeah, that's, <laughs> and we get energized when we do feel like we are offering the most value. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you write about engagement and company culture. And, you know, as we learned in the introduction, and I'd like to start out by defining company culture, because it's one of those phrases that, you know, I think has probably different definitions for different people. Um, what do you mean when you use that phrase company culture? It's an interesting question because you're right. That's one of those words that are thrown around a lot and 12 people probably have 12 different meanings. For me, a company culture, it really comes down to your personality as a company or actually just wrote an article uh, about it's called what's your organization's attitude. Mm-hmm. And and I think culture is a lot, is really about an organization's attitude. And and the reason I say that is when we think about individual performance, it is pretty common knowledge. Most people would agree that your attitude impacts the results mm-hmm. that you get. Uh, it's not just how smart you are, how experienced you are, how hard you work. Your attitude impacts your results. But we don't necessarily think about that from a company standpoint. And I, and I think that the, the simplest way I can define culture is it's a company's attitude. And that attitude, more than any specific business strategy, is going to drive their results. It's going to drive whether A players flock to them or, or flock away from them. It's going to drive whether they're giving wow customer service or, or horrible customer service. Uh, so it really is about attitude. What companies do you see today exhibiting solid company culture in that way, that solid attitude and personality? Yeah, I think there are a lot. I mean, it, 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 I, I run across mostly smaller companies, but in terms of, and I work with small and mid-sized companies, but, you know, from a large company standpoint, uh, you know, an obvious one, although it's kind of a dangerous one to mention, is a company like Google. Mm-hmm. You know, Google is one where, where their people are so passionate ab- about what they do and so engaged in taking, you know, 15% of their time and blocking it off for their own projects. So I think that's one that everybody knows about that I think think does a great job of culture. The reason why I say that's also a dangerous one is because most organizations don't have the cash that Mm -hmm. Google has. Mm -hmm. Most organizations are these small and mid-sized companies who look and say, well, I could have a great culture if I could afford uh, dog walking services for (laughs) everyone and Mm -hmm. dry cleaning on premises and free food all year long and all those things. And and, and that's not what it's about. So so I mentioned Google, but I hesitate to because there, there are so many things that you can do as an organization to drive an, an incredible culture of passion, of, of a 
accountability, of discipline. Uh, there's so many things you can do that really don't cost anything or, or course, cost near nothing. Yeah. What about if you're a company of one or two or three? It's actually more important. Uh, or, or maybe I'll say it's it's certainly just as important mm-hmm. uh, because then you get into that, you know, of course, your attitude drives your results. And when you're, you're a company of one, as I am, if I'm having a, a bad day from a kind of mentally a bad day, if I'm feeling down for some reason, then, then you know, there aren't other folks in my organization that are going to pick me up. Mm-hmm. Now, the good news is I have mentors and coaches and a mastermind group that can do that for me. So in some ways, I try not to act as a company of one but as a company of one my attitude is critical uh, you know I think you know one of the things I talk about in, in my book is having a set of core values that really formalize and define what your culture is what's best what's right what's most noble about your culture and I have a set of core values for my company even though it's just me I want to make sure I'm focused on what are those values what are those characteristics that are not only going to make me incredibly successful but are going to get put me in a state where I'm I'm proud of, of what I do I'm confident in what I can what I do and I really feel like I'm adding some value to the world and it seems like the more we have clarity of those core values and we're clear on that value that we are putting out to the world the more we're going to attract people that are going to be reflecting that so that the culture you know even if you are a company of one the culture you're creating isn't just about you it's also about the people that you're drawing into your circle like you mentioned mentors and coaches and whatnot and I also think of clients and you know collaborators and all of that so it seems like the clearer you are the more you're going to build um, a community that is aligned with your vision that, that's absolutely right. And, and I'll tell you what, what 95% of organizations do. Every organization has a set of core values. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's got a beautiful plaque on the wall <laughs> with their five core values. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they've got it done a good job, a formal job, or any job of really trying to proactively define them. But just like every individual has an attitude, Mm-hmm. or a personality, every company has a set of core values. And, and, and the challenge for most companies is they've just kind of let those core values evolve over time mm-hmm. without trying to guide the process. Mm. And they wind up with some really, really disempowering core values like, uh, you know, co- core values li- like uh, aren't our customers, you know, a pain in the neck or core values <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, don't speak your mind in meetings. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- there, there are core values that, you know, these disempowering core values that get created. And if as an organization, you really spend the time to discover, and notice I say discover, not define, because I don't think you're creating something new. You're really spending the time discovering what is best about your culture? What is noblest about your culture? What are those characteristics your people have that exemplify what's so wonderful about what your organization is or, or what it could be? If you can discover those, communicate those, uh, and execute against those, which means make sure that you're, uh, you're hiring folks that live those core values, mm-hmm. making sure that folks that aren't living those core values, you're, you know, you're sending them to go to work for the competition. 
Yeah. Well, I think of Zappos. You know, they're, they're one, you know, one example that has seemed to have spent a lot of time, you know, honing their core values. And they'll pay people to leave if they feel like they're not a good fit for the company. So I think that that's definitely putting your money where your mouth is <laughs> in that regard. Absolutely. And, and if you've ever actually called them, if you needed their customer service and you didn't do it online, if you've ever actually called them, you get their culture within a minute of mm-hmm. that phone call. It just yeah. shines loud and clear right through. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when I think of company culture, I also think of how much that culture, how much that company is nurturing people and how much they're playing to their strengths as opposed to weaknesses. And it seems to me, you know, you, you've been steeped in this much, probably much longer than I have. Um, but it seems like in the past 10 years or so, maybe a little bit longer, there's been a lot of talk, a lot more studies, a lot more embracing of focusing on people's strengths. And it seems to me that's key to building an engaged team, since they're going to be able to contribute more based on their talents, rather than always trying to shore up those areas of weakness. So when you think of, you know, creating a culture that values strengths, what are some of the most important things that you can do to create that? Yeah, and I, and I think that's so critical. I mean, most of us spend 80% of our time beating ourselves up and beating other people up for, for weaknesses. And if mm-hmm. we remember 20% of the time patting ourselves or others on the back, for for strengths and, and I think the first thing is you need to hire for strengths you need to hire for those talents those raw talents as opposed to looking for does someone have the skills does someone have the experience you really need to be looking for those talents that you can build on and, and one of the things that I talk about all the time with my clients is you know I think most of us uh, in, in the way that we mentor and coach and develop people, we create mediocre employees. Because what most organizations do is if you've got someone who's been working at your organization for six months and, and maybe you haven't had you know enough time to really coach them yet, but you have an understanding of where their strengths and weaknesses are, if they've got five areas of responsibility and in two of those areas, they're, they're at a high level. They're just performing you know, unbelievable. They have some, some raw talent there. In, in two areas, uh, you know, one or two areas, it's mediocre and and one or two areas, they're, they're really not doing well. Mm-hmm. Where the tendency is to focus is go right at where they're not doing well. Mm-hmm. And, and let's try to make them superstars in these areas that they have no passion for, they have no talent for, but let's make them superstars in those areas. And what winds up happening is those people are never going to be great in those areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, at best, maybe you get them to approach mediocre. And then what happens while you're focused so much on these areas they're not passionate about, what happens in the areas where they started off doing great because of their their now level of disengagement and the fact that they're not going to be thrilled working in these areas they have no passion for, those strong areas start to come down a little bit and you wind up with mediocre. And, you know, the, the thing that is counterintuitive is where we all have the most potential is in those areas of our greatest strength. So what I like to see and what I coach organizations and leaders to do is identify, work with their people to identify those areas of strength and then leverage 
those strengths. And I talk about this idea of leverage in my book. Leveraging strengths could mean, you know, hey, if you're spending 40% of your time in this area, that you're just a natural superstar, how could we get you to spend 80% of your time Mm -hmm. in that area? That's one way to leverage. Another way to leverage is say, you've got such incredible raw talent in that area. Imagine if we got you even more development, more training, more coaching. You know, how do we do that? So you could leverage it in that way. So how do you get folks to spend more time in those areas of strength? And if, by the way, if the answer is, well, we've really got to fix these areas of weakness, so it's because those areas of weakness are so core to mm-hmm. what this person's job is, mm-hmm. then my answer is you've hired the wrong person. Right, yeah. And, and, it, and, and you're doing them a disservice by keeping them on board and they're, they're forever going to be B or C players because you've got them focused on these areas where they have no, no passion, no natural talent. So I think that's what you'll see in an organization that leverages strengths is people are getting to spend more time in their areas of strength. They're getting more training, more development, more coaching and mentoring in those areas. And lastly, as a leader, what typically happens is leaders, if you've got A, B and C players on your team, where do you spend your most time? You know, you spend most of your time trying to work with those C players and fix the problems your C players are causing. And what I coach leaders to to do is they need to be spending the majority of their time with their A players. Mm -hmm. And if they can't do that, it means they've hired too many C players and they need to go back and fix their hiring process. Wow. And that's that can be humbling. It seems like for the for the people in charge who who did those hirings, because it, it, it would require admitting that perhaps you made a mistake or that you weren't clear or that, you know, you need to change something that you previously thought you were committed to. So it seems like this isn't easy. You know, it requires some courage to be able to create this kind of culture and to take the steps it, that are needed. It, it does, because sometimes you've got to change job descriptions, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it may be I've hired these four people all within the same job and their job description looks the same. But maybe after four or five months, you realize, wow, maybe for each person, maybe this job needs to look a little different. Yes. And, and, the, and the question I like to ask is one of the first questions I ask a new client when I work with them. And, and it just shifts them off this mindset of thinking they've done it right and they've hired all the right people when maybe they haven't. Mm-hmm. Is I say to them, I ask them to think about their team, their entire team. And then I ask them, if you had it all to do over again, would you enthusiastically rehire everyone on your team? Mm. And typically I get silence, maybe a snicker, maybe an uncomfortable <laughs> look, but very few people say, yes, I would absolutely rehire everyone. Wow. So there's a learning curve on all, on all fronts <laughs> when it comes to sure. doing this and, and knowing and being able to be um, flexible. And the other thing that crosses my mind is to be unattached. If you do hire somebody and they're an A player, you know, 50% of the time and then C, the other 50%, it, it might not be the person. It might also be the job description and to not get overly attached perhaps to what's on the paper, but to be able to be flexible if you really want to keep that A employee, you know, engaged. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the, other, the other hurdle to get over is, you know, if, if you've got a C player. 
you know, and it could be that they're in the wrong role. I remember mm-hmm. I had a situation uh, in a firm that, that, that I was running where I had someone working for me who was just incredible at building new relationships, can talk to anyone, but what I needed in her job was detailed follow-through. Dot every I, cross every T, and she was one of the most ADD people <laughs> I've ever worked with, and I really, uh, I, I believe, did her a disservice to keep her on, and I'm trying to be a nice guy. I don't want to let anybody know. Now, then I realized I wasn't doing her a favor, yeah. and and I and I and by letting her go, which I eventually did, I was allowing her to go somewhere to use her talents. She could have she could be an A player in the right situation. She was never going to be an A player in the role I needed her to play. Yeah. Well, I want to I want to shift gears for a second and talk about engagement because this is something that I think introverts encounter quite a bit in the workplace um, and in the culture that's that's set up and that's challenges with how that company defines being engaged. Oftentimes, it's measured by how much someone talks in meetings or volunteers for leadership or is highly visible or is that highly prized team player. And an introvert can absolutely be all of those things, but sometimes the company culture kind of works against them in that because they're almost shamed into playing against their strengths with feedback such as you just need to speak up more. You know, there's like, just just do this and, and you'll be fine because that definition of engagement is so narrow and it doesn't encompass a full range of what is possible for positive contributions and behaviors that can really have a significant impact. You know, the leaders might look at that quieter person and think that they're passive or disengaged or disinterested, even if that's not the case at all. So in your experience, you know, how can we address this issue of what engagement looks like and how we can create a culture and and a definition of engagement that includes this wide perspective, that includes the introvert way of participating? Yeah, it's a great question. And and one of the other, I mentioned one of the secrets of the four secrets in my book is called leverage. There's another one called acceptance. Mm -hmm. And and that's really the heart of what we're talking about here. And acceptance says, you've got to accept that not everybody's like you. So if you're an extrovert leader, uh, whose primary motivation may be, you know, money and fame and, you know, whatever it is, and that's not good or bad, it just is. If that's who you are, you know, people tend to use the golden rule. The golden rule is, uh, you know, oh my God, every, of course, the golden rule makes sense. Well, the golden rule basically says treat others the way you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you really think about it, that doesn't make any sense because why would I assume that everybody wants to be treated the way I want to be treated? Why would I assume that everybody's going to be motivated by what motivates me? Why would I assume that everybody's got the same career goals that I do or everybody's got the same learning styles or everybody's form of engagement is the same? So this idea of acceptance, I didn't make it up. I'm stealing it from someone else, but this idea of the platinum rule Mm -hmm. and the platinum rule says treat others the way they want to be treated. And it really does make for a much more challenging job for a leader, for a manager, whose role, I believe, is not just to kind of rally the troops and pound their fist on the table, but as a leader of a team, you have to understand your people. You have to understand what makes them unique. You have to understand how they may be motivated differently. And then you have to be able to act on it. So if, Beth, you did it, you worked for me and you did a great job. Mm I, or or I, let me take someone else. If I had someone else that did a great job for me who, who's more of an extrovert, 
And what I did is I got, you know, I had an all hands meeting and Bill did a great job. And I say, Bill, get up here. And I give Bill a big hug and I say, Bill, I just want to thank you. You did. Let me tell you guys what Bill did. And I start just talking. (laughs) Bill is going to love that. If he's Mm -hmm. an extrovert, he loves to be in front of a crowd. That's just, that's the best motivation for him. If I did that with some introverts, (laughs) <laughs> and and Beth, maybe for you, if I brought you up and I said, oh, I give you a big hug in front of everybody. I said, I got to tell you what a great job Beth did. There's a chance you might pull me over after that meeting and say, Mike, thank you very much. But if you ever do that to me again, <laughs> I will kill you. Yeah. And it's my job as a leader mm-hmm. to know that. And yeah. it's my job as a leader to really, you know, we, we tend to think uh, we have to treat everyone equally because it's fair. Mm-hmm. But it's not fair. We treat everyone equally because it's easy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a passionate environment, an engaged environment where opportunity is there for introverts and extroverts and, and all different motivations and learning styles and communication styles is really an, an organization where you're accepted. As long as you're living those core values, mm-hmm. you're accepted for who you are and treated in a unique way that best motivates and engages you. So what if I'm an introvert in that more extroverted environment and I and I feel a little powerless to be able to communicate and say, hey, thanks for the recognition. Don't ever do that again. How can you start that conversation? It seems like that would be a little challenging. It, it is. And, and there are, you know, especially those, the D's or I's on the disc profile mm-hmm. and, and, you know, they're bombastic and pounding their fist on the table and they can't understand why anybody isn't motivated by what they're motivated with. It's very difficult. And, and, and I think the challenge for an introvert in that situation, what that introvert needs to do is, is really have a one-on-one discussion. Mm-hmm. with their leader and be open and honest and say, look, this is how I'm feeling. This is the best way to engage me. This is the best way to motivate me. You've got to be open and honest. And if you've got a leader that is open-minded enough to take that and act on it, then, then that's a beautiful thing. And you've mm-hmm. you've just, in one conversation or maybe a conversation and a few reminders uh, where it's necessary, mm-hmm. you have just changed that environment for you to the positive, which is great. My fear is not all leaders are open to that communication. Right. Or, or they may nod their heads and say, yes, I understand, but they're really not going to change what they do. And that, frankly, is a situation where uh, it may not be the right place for you. And by yeah. the way, thats I don't think that's a problem just for introverts. If you're, yeah. if you're an extrovert and you're working with, with a leader that's an introvert that's not as open-minded, mm-hmm. who refuses to give you that open recognition. And, mm-hmm. and is, you know, and, I mean, it's the same problem the other way around, that you need a leader that's going to be open-minded enough to, to accept you for what makes you unique. And if you've got a leader that's not willing to do that, you may be in the wrong spot. Even if it's a great company, people don't quit companies. People quit managers. So if you're in a great company, but you've got the wrong manager, the good news, if it's a big enough company, maybe you can move somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's not, then uh, it's a tough decision, but you may realize it's not the right place for you. Yeah, that's such a great point because, you know, when we take a job initially, we're we're often drawn to something about, you know, it might be the people, but often it's something bigger and it is the company. It's the mission. It's what we're going to be representing. And we feel fairly secure in that going in. It's the people, it's the manager that are the, the big question marks. You know, I appreciate you saying that you have to really do have a hard look at it and say, you know, maybe this is just not the right place because it's not going to play to your strengths in any way, shape, or form. (laughs) 
And the other way to look at it too, if, if you're if you're a CEO, is then look at your leadership team. Mm-hmm. And if you've got mm-hmm. folks on your leadership team that are not able to treat people as the unique individuals they are, they're not open-minded to believe they've got to treat other people the way those people want to be treated versus the way that leader would want to be treated, then as CEO of that organization, you've got to understand that you are really, really killing yourself and, mm-hmm. and you're you're wasting a lot of potential talent on that team because you've got a leader that really can't lead in the right way to maximize that passion and maximize that engagement. Yeah. And again, it calls on courage. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Hard look in the mirror. So, well, thank you so much, Mike. Um, it, we've only, you know, scratched the surface on this topic, but I think you've offered us some really profound insights that I think, especially for the introverts listening, they're going to have some solid information maybe to take back if they're experiencing any of these challenges. And certainly I know for me as a solopreneur, it's been great to have it reinforced that, oh yeah, you know, culture is important and it, uh, it definitely has an impact and is necessary necessary, no matter what size your company is. So thank you for that. Thank you. And so I want to wrap up with a question that I ask all of my guests. If you were granted a three-week vacation on Introvert Island, and you could only take three books with you, what would you take with you and why? Excellent. Interesting question, because I guess my real answer is I would take three books I'd never read before. Mm-hmm. But but since I think the purpose of your question is you want to get some, some thoughts on some really good books that, that I would love and want to read over again, you know, it's interesting because you, you say three books and, and it's probably from three very different categories. Mm-hmm. I love reading uh, about history. So on the, the historical side, I would probably take, I love the book Band of Brothers. Mm-hmm. So I'd probably take that and read it all over again. I love reading historical stuff. Um, the second thing is, uh, you know, fiction. And, and I'm a big, uh, I'm a big Nelson DeMille fan. I'd probably, I'd probably go, uh, uh, open up Gold Coast again by Nelson DeMille and read that. And one of the only books of, he's one of the only authors I read and actually laugh while I'm reading the book. I love which those is great. Kinds of books. <laughs> and then, and then I would take, I would take a business book. Because mm-hmm. uh, I really love, I'm reading all the time and, and have to in the work I do. And, and probably the book I take, because I, I think you could never read it too many times and learn something else, is probably Good to Great I knew by you Jim were Collins. say that. I knew you yeah, were going to say that. that. To me, that book <laughs> is, is, you know, other than my own, of course, that uh-huh. book is kind of, that, that's like the Bible of growing a great business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I would absolutely bring that book and just, you know, study that one for about a week. Well, several times while we were talking, Good to Great kept popping into my head because it is. It's, you know, it was published in October 2001 and it's still in hardback. And, um, you know, while the it's before a lot of, you know, shifts in the in the market and in technology, its basic principles ring so true. And, and I kept thinking about, you know, getting the right people on the bus. As Absolutely. You were talking about, first first you know, about. two, then what? Exactly, exactly. So um, it's, it's wonderful to hear you bring that one up in particular and uh, remind us all that that is a, a fabulous resource. Yeah, not, not a new one, but a great one. Exactly. Oldie but a goodie. <laughs> so what is the best way for people to connect with you and learn more about your work and your book and your company? Well, the, the book is called Performance Breakthrough, The Four Secrets of Passionate Organizations. It's it's out on Amazon, so just do a search and, and buy the book. I think you'll love it. Uh, my website is performance-breakthrough.com. 
com and on that website you'll see a whole bunch of things you'll see videos where I where I give what I call breakthrough ideas there is a, a couple of assessments on there there's an assessment on how passionate your organization is there's something called the four decisions assessment which looks at your business from the uh, standpoint of people strategy execution and cash uh, so uh, uh, and then uh, so th- those two and then on uh, Twitter uh, um, M Goldman 10 on on Twitter Okay. Uh, and and go in and like Performance Breakthrough Book on Facebook, all, all those different areas. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much, Mike. It's been a great pleasure chatting with you, and um, I really appreciate the time you've taken to share so many um, wonderful thoughts with us. So thank you. Beth, thank you. It's been fun. Thanks to Mike for reminding us all that leading with our strengths is going to create the most productive and satisfying work environment. I also appreciate the idea that even as a company of one, it's still important to be clear on your culture and the energy you're projecting to others. If you don't claim it and name it, someone else will do it for you, and their perception might not be what you want to be known for. Better to be intentional and proactive about clearly articulating and sharing your values. Coming soon, I invite you to join me for episode 86 of the Introvert Entrepreneur podcast, when I'll be talking with Sarah Jones, founder of the Introverted Alpha. We'll chat about the introverted superpowers we might overlook when we're looking for a partner and offer tips for connecting with a potential romantic partner that also, amazingly enough, apply to networking and building your business. In closing, a word of appreciation to Paul Messing, my podcast producer, and to you for being a listener. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your family, friends, and colleagues, and take a moment to leave a review on iTunes and let others know what you think. This is Beth Bilo of The Introvert Entrepreneur, and until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job.